evening. Welcome back to the Evermore YouTube channel. As you can see, we are back with the Newcastle United podcast, not on a Wednesday. Thanks to the midweek fixtures, we're here on a Thursday. I'm your host, Chris. I've been joined by our stat man as usual. And as you can see, he has made his comeback. The man with a stronger jawline than Newcastle United's back five. It is Daniel Wales, the blue tick man. How are we doing, lads? I'm doing very well. You've missed them, Dan. You've missed them intros, mate. Oh, Chris, Chris, I dream of them. <laughs> Fantastic, mate. Or nightmares, as most people might say. To be honest. No, 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 no. That would be harsh. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Yes, Dan has come back and joined us. He's uh, he's away doing local TV. If you don't know, we'll, we'll try and get some info on Dan, put some links where you can check his stuff out towards the end of the episode. But we're going to talk all things to Cass United in a minute. We've had a cracking week. We're going to get stuck right in. Look, before we do a little bit of housekeeping, if you haven't already, please click that like and subscribe button. It's just covering Dan's beautiful jawline there, as I've said. Uh, but yeah, we're 1906 subscribers now, so we're over the 1900 watt, which we're over the moon with. We're pushing on, hopefully, to 2000 soon. So keep clicking that button if you haven't. It really helps the channel grow. It's all free content. This so We don't charge anybody a penny. It's difficult times for everybody out there. We just love doing this, love talking Newcastle with you guys. And, and as we said, we're live as well. Jump in the comments, as you always do, and it really helps the episode flow. So let's get stuck straight into it then. And I'm going to go back to the blue tick man for this one, because I built him up. And I think you were probably there, Mr. Blue Tickman, weren't you? So we're looking at four from two this week. So four points from two really difficult games, really on the fixture calendar. A draw against Manchester United, uh, which we possibly could have won. And obviously we beat Everton last night at St. James's Park, 1-0. Dan, what did you make of the two games, mate? Uh, I'll start in on Sunday, obviously Manchester United. A game where, to be honest, we, we did all right. I mean, first half, I think we were better than them. Second half, we went off the boil a little bit. We're a little bit leggy. But did enough to, to continue. Now, I don't, I mean, yes, they had a couple of chances uh, in the second half where perhaps they could have scored. And obviously, there was that pathetic excuse or attempted getting a goal from Ronaldo and crowding referee, uh, which uh, it just annoyed oh, yeah. oh, was ridiculous. We've had, a, we've had a say on that as well, mate. <laughs> it was pathetic and ridiculous. If just anyone who in their right mind thinks that Fabian Shaw took that free kick. Honestly, I, I don't know what it, I don't know what to say about that. But anyway, yeah, we did all right in that game. We looked a bit leggy towards the end, and they put us under a bit of pressure. But for the most part, I think deserved the draw given our first half performance. Joe Linton should score in that half as well. First header, decent. Second header has got to do better. And then on to last night. Yes, I was there. Um, sort of quite similar. First half really good. Second half we went off the boil a little bit, but. The difference is Everton, for all the possession they had in that second half yesterday, did absolutely nothing with it. They offered no threat. They just they had a lot of the ball passed around, but just didn't do much with it. And which is quite a concern for them and Frank Lampard, to be honest. Considering that you know they have some good attacking players, Dominic Calvert Lewin, Alex Wilby, and then when they went off, they got even worse. To be honest, uh, don't get me started on Anthony Gordon. But anyway. Um, as I say, Everton, disappointing. Newcastle did enough. Could have had more goals in the first half, but Miguel Almiron. I, I owe him a huge apology, Dan. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not too proud of man to admit it. I, I owe the man an apology. And, you know, I, I probably want to thank Jack Grealish, to be fair, because ever since he said he was shit, he's been phenomenal. So he's created Jack a monster, Grealish hasn't he? He's created a monster. He really has been, but that's a great shout, Dan. I mean, coming to you, Mark, obviously, we, we jumped on for a live reaction to straight after the game, but, I mean, yeah. from a Newcastle United point of view, I mean, four points from those two games, you know, he, as Dan rightly says there, we weren't even at our best either, mate, were we? So it's, it's got to be good, a good turnaround. Eddie Howe's got to be happy with that. And then Spurs at the weekend, 
they looked a bit poor, I thought, against Manchester United last night as well. So maybe we've got a chance of getting something against them. I know we're going to come on that later, but do you think it's been a good week for Newcastle so far? Definitely. Yeah. Look, we, we said last night, didn't we? You never really got out of second or third gear. Um, yesterday, you didn't have to in the second half. Um, you know, possession first half was split 58-42. Newcastle's favouring, made the most of it. Everton had 58-42 to 42 in the second half and didn't have a, a single shot. Um, and that tells you all you need to know about Everton's way of playing at the moment. They, they, they are finding, you know, making it more difficult to, to break them down, but they're just offer nothing going forward. And, and they, they all fought for no shite, as they would say, right? Yeah, they, they, they're going to struggle if they, if they can't stop putting the ball in the net. So, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a good win. Um, never really have to, 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 to really play, uh, you know, at their, at their peak. So, and to a point, Against um, Manchester United, Old Trafford is always a is always a good result. Um, Dan hit the nail on the head there. I think it, it started to get a little bit edgy towards the end. I mean, how Marcus Rashford doesn't score at the end is is absolutely beyond me. And, and Fred as well with a pretty much an open goal. Um, but it's it's a good point. Again, it was there were chances there, and, and Joe, we we touched on this on Monday, didn't we? Joe should score, especially the second header. Um, but yeah, you're delighted with four points out of those two, and and you you roll into the weekend with, with still with massive confidence that you can that you can get something out of Spurs. Absolutely, but I don't think Spurs again they look great. I mean, a lot of teams are leggy this week. It's a busy week, isn't it? And we're cramming in all these fixtures to towards the World Cup. But I mean, yeah, again, just talking about last night, I thought as Dan rightly says there, we we were able to win the game without really being that good. I mean. What one observation was was Joe and Dan, just to get your take on that, because obviously you were at the game, you got a different perspective to me and Mark. He looked okay in the first half. He started the game kind of typical Joe Linton style, you know, strong, making himself dominant, you know, pushing players around and that. But you know, he started to lose his head a little bit from what we could see on, on the TV. And then he, he looked like he got hooked at half time, which was smart management by Eddie Howe. How did you view it in the game? Were you were you looking at him thinking he's gonna get a red card here? Do you think it was right for Eddie to do that? I never, I didn't think he was going to perhaps get a red card, but I could see also why he took him off. I mean, he started the game okay, made a couple of silly challenges, obviously got himself booked. Um, but then, of course, also went down at the end of the half with a bit of a knock, so that probably came into why Eddie Howe took him off as well. But he wasn't as good as he has been. Um, Joe Willard came on, did all right. So for me, it wasn't really a massive issue that he went off at that point. Obviously, partly perhaps because he was on a yellow card and, and had made a couple of other fouls, but also partly because he had that bit of a knock. So, yeah, you know, n- n- players, they're not always going to be 10 out of 10 every single game. And so he, he's allowed to have one off day when Miguel Almoron had such a good day. So yeah. as far as I'm concerned, it's it's not the end of the world. He'll probably be involved again on Sunday against Tottenham and hopefully he has a bit of a better day then. Absolutely. But we're going to come on to the defence in a minute, Mark. But just we, we spoke a little bit about this, but we keen to get obviously you and Dan's take on this. Now, you know, we, we're all big fans of Matty Target. You know, obviously he was brilliant on loan. We we're really happy when he signed permanently. But it really looks like Dan Byrne has made that left back spot his now. And you know, I think the way he's played in that position without being what you would probably look look in class as a, as a traditional wing back or full back he just he looks like a set and a half which just went for a wander doesn't he really but but he's, he's playing so well there um i mean you, you, you probably can't drop him even against you know players like son at the weekend you know he's probably going to get another start isn't he mate would you say at left back 
Um, I, potentially, yeah. I, I, it's funny, you know. I was I was having a chat with a, a lad at work today about about Matty Target, and he says it's it's funny, you know. Every time you watch him, you think, yeah, you know, you don't notice him. He does a good yeah. job. There's no, there's nothing really headline about him. stand out. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Dan Byrne obviously stands out because he's such a, a big lad. <laughs> you can see him from Whitley Tog- Bay, even if you don't go yeah, to the crowd, you just look up. But Target Tog is just he is a steady footballer. He doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. He doesn't. You know, steal the headlines an awful lot. Just yeah. does a really solid job, and I can see him coming back in. I don't think Dan Burns the answer long term at left back. I, I do think Target gives you a little bit more balance in terms of ability to get forward from both sides because I think it's quite lopsided that Dan Burn won't overlap. He'll not. He'll not do those yeah. runs to to the, the the opposition sort of byline and stuff like that that Mighty Target can do, um, and that. Potentially, then relieves a little bit of the pressure for Target to uh, uh, for Trippier to do that. But look, Dan Burns played so well over the last last couple of games. It's difficult to drop him when you're in form when you've got that kind of working relationship between the back four. It's worked really well. Um, mm. So it will be interesting to see. Um, I do think at some point Target will come back in though and, and, and remake that position his own. I think you might be right. I mean, Rogers in the comments there saying his size and presence was and is massive. I mean, he literally, literally is massive. I mean, just one more thing for you, Mark, before I, before I get Dan in on this one. Um, I see in Talk Sport, we're talking about this today, and, and uh, Neil Warnock, to be fair, gets a lot of stick. I quite like Neil Warnock, to be fair. He's, he's quite a throwback. Uh, but he's very straightforward with his opinion. And, and, and Neil Warnock was saying, and I, I think we're all we're all in agreement here, but I'm just keen to get both your takes on this. Dan Byrne for England, mate. I mean, come on! How long is this going to take? If it's, it's ever going to it's, happen, it's it's funny. I th- I think he probably ends up in this this wider squad or base of fifty odd players or whatever it is that they're looking at. But I I, I can't see him making the Three final plays. cut. I, I I genuinely I I just can't see it happening. I it's he's played really well, but you know what Southgate's like the 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 chance for an outsider. To come into that squad and, and stake a claim is going to be going to be really difficult. I, I just can't see him being on the plane. And shame for him, I guess. But I, I, the other, the flip side of that, it, it does wonders for Newcastle's ability to then roll into the, the January sort of time at the end of December, January time with 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 a pretty much fully fit squad. If you're only going to have a couple of players really that are going to be away on, on international duty, yeah, um, it, it does make you you. you Get the others back that aren't not quite fit. Um, you can play some some sort of friendlies to, to try and get them a, a little bit of a preseason, as, as Eddie Howe said about Isaac. And then you roll into January with a transfer window coming as well. And if you're sitting at that fifth sixth spot, by the time that the the break happens, that things are, are really looking good for the for the rest of the season. Um, but no, I've, I've I've gone totally off off on one there, and, and no, I, I I I can't see Burn making the. The World Cup squad. No. But Jordan Toon for life says, saying playing at the back allows Trippier to move forward. So we almost become a back three and Trippier effectively becomes another member of the midfield. Dan, what's, what's your take on, on uh, Dan Byrne making the plane? Or as Roger says, the plane wouldn't take off if Dan Byrne. He must have extra leg room if he gets on that plane, by the way, mate. My God. Imagine sitting behind Dan Byrne. <laughs> could, could Dan Byrne not just like wade across the oceans? I'm sure like, he'd, he'd only come to his ankles or something like that. A couple of strides, a couple yeah. of strides over to Qatar, mate. Absolutely, no, absolutely. Just think, yeah. I've got images of the Statue of Liberty and Ghostbusters walking. <laughs> yes, Ghostbusters too. Classic movie. Classic movie. Where's Ash in the comments? He'll like that one. But what? What's your take, Dan? Burnt the World Cup. Are you, are you kind of in agreement with Mark? Do you think he'll get overlooked because he's, 
his name doesn't end in Maguire. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, he's probably in that big pool of about what is it, fifty-five or something like that. But I don't, I don't think he'd go to be honest. And. As I say, that's it, that doesn't bother me that much. I mean, obviously, from a Newcastle perspective, Trippier will go to the World Cup. Pope will go to the World Cup. Uh, and but yeah, but Dan Byrne, you know, he probably deserves a chance to go and prove he's got capability. He probably deserves an England cap at some point in his career for the, the level he's playing at. But whether he's good enough to play in England at a World Cup and represent England in that sort of stage probably debatable even from my point of view looking at the sort of left back position in itself is quite interesting because obviously you mentioned target there mark uh being out of the out of favor a little bit at the moment dan burn making that position his own but then you've got to think you've got jamal lewis sat on the bench as well you've got paul dummett as well i mean paul dummett is perhaps more of a center back these days but can certainly play left back and, and obviously was in that role in his younger days so it is interesting that dan burn who's probably better suited as a center back is keeping out, you know, two or three actual left-backs from the side in that role, which I find quite interesting, which shows that obviously the manager has faith in him. But again, it, it is that lack of attacking ability, lack of pace that he has, which perhaps means that we can't get down the left as, as easy as Trippier and Almiron get down the right. And that's obviously the, the advantage that Target brings with just that extra couple of yards that he can get on the overlap. But, you know, tar- Target, as I say, is steady. Not a world beater, but probably will come back in eventually. Yeah, what would what would worry me, I think, is it, it's great having Byrne there now with his presence and everything else, but I wouldn't want to see Byrne at left back with Maxi in front of him. I, I just I don't think he'd have the pace to deal with the pressure he'd be put under. Almiron's a different kettle of fish altogether because Almiron has that ability to come back with speed and, and, and energy to, to, to he never stops running Almiron. He never stops running. Oh, he's, He's incredible, but even Elliot Anderson, I thought, which I'm going to come on to in a second because I was well impressed with the cameo. Um, but you put Maxi in front of Burn, I think Burn would get exposed a bit. I don't think Maxi would track back and cover him a bit. So I think that's where Target needs to come back in when you play in Maxi. I think he, he wouldn't, but at the same time, obviously, Dan Burn's defensive capabilities are good, if not better than Matt Target's, perhaps, which is true, the difference. True. Yeah. Because, I mean, I put Darren Byrne one-on-one and sort of take the pace out of the situation, just one-on-one trying to beat him without, you know, getting down the line, then I think Darren Byrne, he, he often, you know, he wins the ball in those situations, but obviously lacks that pace and so it can get turned quite easily. It's a good comment by Roger, actually, Mark. This takes me on to my next, my next point. I thought Anderson looked brilliant in the cameo yet again. Uh, it, the kid seems to just do it every time, Mark, when he comes on. He just looks better and better and better. And Roger's asking a good question there. Do you think Dan Byrne out left with Anderson might be the better option rather than Target or ASM? I mean, you know, we, we talked about not picking Anderson up too much, mate. But, I mean, <clears throat> if the kid keeps playing like this, he's going to have to give Eddie a, a real decision to make soon whether he starts a game, isn't he? Yeah, as, as we, we said this last night, because we, we, we got onto this subject as well. And I, I do think we'll, we'll see more cameos from, from Anderson before, you know, he'll... he'll push and push and push and he'll, he'll get those 20, 30 minute runs to, to to run himself into the team and sooner or later it, it will become impossible to to ignore him and to, and to leave him out and, and he'll get that start. Um, but I, I do think for, for now we'll, we'll probably see what he's done with um, with other players anyhow is, is drip them in, in gently and he'll get yeah. those 20, 30 minutes to shine and, and build up his, his, you know, his experience on the field before he's unleashed for a, for a full game. 
That's a great comment by Ash. He was so good. He lost the ball, took on himself, lost the ball, and then yeah. give it back to himself again. Dan, just to just to bring you in, actually, because obviously you do a lot with with Gateshead, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of former academy players who who were supposedly the next big thing, who have obviously not spent the rest of the career in casting and, and doing really well for the likes of Gateshead and teams like that. Uh, something that, and no disrespect to those guys who came before, or or Matty Longstaff or anybody like that. But Elliot Anderson just looks a little bit special, mate, doesn't he? It's something, something's in there, isn't there, that we haven't seen yeah. for a long time, I think, in a young player. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect to the lads at Gator because they're a fantastic bunch and there's some real good talent there. But Anderson, I mean, as I say, he's, he's you know, he's consistently making Premier League cameo appearances at the moment, which is perhaps more than any of the other ones who currently play for Gator ever got to, um, unfortunately for them. But... He's, he's just got that natural talent, hasn't he? He's got that technical ability. Uh, it's, it's something that you can't really teach, I think is probably the best way of putting it, which perhaps yeah, the other ones, sure. ones didn't. Um, so, yeah, I think he will flourish and develop under how. I mean, he's by no means the finished product at all and will get better as the years come. But it's just exciting that we actually have a, an academy player on our books who we can actually see growing into the first team with a lot of potential, which we haven't had in you know, a long time. I mean, yes, you can mention Sean Longstaff, but he's not got that technical ability in comparison to, to as like Longstaff is good for a pass, but can't beat a man like Anderson can, for example. Yeah, I think I think the good thing about it as well, you're right, Dan. It, it's great the fact that he's one of our own, effectively he's an academy player and everything else. That can't be overlooked, but it's the fact that under Eddie Howe, certainly, you know, under Steve Bruce and arguably Pardew as well, guys like that, Rafa. We didn't have somebody off the bench that other teams could look at and go, oh, shit, they're bringing that kid on. Oh, shit, you know, he's he's, he's a bit nippy him. He's a bit handy. He's, he finds space. He gets on the ball. We, we need to watch it here. You know, we've got tired legs. You know, but now we have a player that can do that. Um, You know, and he is still young. He is still raw in many ways. But the, the bit I love about him is the confidence. I think that, that me and Mark talked about this. The lone move to Bristol uh, Rovers was the best thing that ever happened to him because he just... He went there, a, a boy, and come back a man, you know, and he's just, he looks like he's filled out a bit. And I think there was a bit in the game last night. I can't remember who passed the ball to him, Mark. We, we talked about last night. The ball was fizzed at him. It might have even been trippier. And his first touch was like a, a veteran of 20, 28-year-old or something. He killed it dead. And then he just he just hesitated the shot a little bit. And that'll come with confidence, Mark, and games, won't it, where he'll take that touch and then he'll bang, he'll go for goal, won't he? That's almost the only frustration with him at the moment is there is that hesitancy to yeah. to actually take a does shot. He pass, does he shoot? What does he do? Yeah, yeah. He, and that'll come. I, I think it was. I mean, was it Cody got in a good block on him um, last yeah, night he as, he, as he went to yeah. shoot? And that was really the, the first moment he went. Oh, he's taken this early, um, and, and you know it would have been it would have been a decent chance, but it was well defended. But yeah, that's. I think that's the only not a criticism of, of him at all, um, but. It's a bit, bit you're waiting for back. the flourish, isn't it? You're waiting for that to flourish and just come out of his game a bit. Exactly. Sooner or later, that will just click, and he'll he'll learn to trust himself in that situation, and 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 just and yeah. just take the shot. So that's, and I that's think a fair comment. Actually, yeah, as well. Yeah, that does run through the squad you know, a little bit. But I think that hesitancy was there with Miggy for a long time as well. That he, he he didn't he didn't trust himself, and you're starting to see the benefit of him of him actually now trusting. That left foot of his to actually get a shot on target. Well, yes, he's just his right foot, does he? <laughs> no, definitely not. But he, yeah. <laughs> but he's starting to he's starting to show exactly um, what he can do, and and you know he, he's he's got some trust in himself now, and that's just confidence. 
and that will come with Anderson as well. And he, he will get more and more confident on the ball. He'll get more and more confident in front of goal. So those, again, I've said this about Willock too, but the, the goals and things will, will come with him soon. We did touch a bit on it last night as well. The, the, the link-up, Dan, potential link-up between Willock and, and Anderson looks exciting. There was a couple of moments, I don't know if you saw it in the ground, there's a couple of little one-twos between them two with, with the legs, the energy that they had. Me and Mark were saying that looked really exciting. Did you feel that in the ground as well, mate? Was that something that yourself and the, and the fans around you were getting a bit excited about? Yeah, I mean, when Willock drives forward, he, he, he's hot to knock off the ball, isn't he? Strong, isn't he? Fast, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. yeah he's, he, he just he can take the ball, you know, carry it, you know, 20, 30 yards up the field. As I say again, it's it's just Willick. Willick is someone who's desperate for a goal. You can tell that in the way he's playing. Because <laughs> I, I, I think he's he's. I, I mean, I'm not one for stats, but I was listening to another podcast, and it was. I think of all the Premier League midfielders who haven't scored a goal, he has. I think the second highest expected goals, which just shows that he's he's getting himself in those positions and just not quite getting it into the back of the net which is what he needs I think what you know obviously when he first came to Newcastle he couldn't stop putting it in the back of the net yeah and yeah. now all of a sudden he can't buy one but I think it'll come he's certainly playing well enough it's not like he's playing badly or anything it's just the fact that he he just isn't finishing uh chances but yeah Will Willick and Anderson you know again two young English players who have ability have that ability to just run take people on and just Get at defenders and, and frighten them with their with their strength and pace, which is it's great to see. It's good. It's good to watch, which and is a stark contrast to what we've perhaps always sometimes been used to at watching at Newcastle in recent years. Mark, Mark's so excited; he's having a strobe light going on there in his face. He's just he's getting that excited. He's got dancing in it. So are you all right there, Mark? Deep <laughs> breaths. A... Deep breaths. <laughs> no, he's on mute. He's on mute. I was just going to say, Dan. Actually, the, there's some great uh, Joe Willock analysis videos, uh, especially on this channel. So make sure you check them out as well. But we're going to move on to the next uh, category. Plugging evermore. Seamless, mate. Seamless. Seamless or shameless, you choose. Um, so moving on to the next category, which, which let's be honest with you, I think every Newcastle United fan right now is shining that signal up in the sky. Uh, we're talking about the bot man. I mean, this guy is absolutely phenomenal. Mark, just coming to you on this. You know, I think I made the claim, didn't I, in, in the in the Evermore chat. I think this kid is the best player, best defender we've had since Colicini and Woodgate. And in my opinion, they're probably the best two centre-halves I've seen in my Newcastle United um, support and time. Um, I mean, am I being a bit hyperbolic there, mate? Am, am I having a bit of hysteria and histrionics, as old Bruce would say? Or uh, well, am I bang on? You just need to dust what? yourself down, Chris. Like, come on. Exactly. <laughs> I do hear, I do hear that Steve Bruce is two to one for the prime minister's job. Mate, so watch out for that. God, God help us. So when he said, "What was the tweet?" I said earlier on that Kiko Sanchez Flores is on his way to Downing Street as we speak. <laughs> Peter, Peter Rogan Wiggy's in the car park. <laughs> yeah, man. But, uh, but I mean, yeah, maybe a little bit too early, but yeah, the the signs are there, and and we've said it, you know, many times over the last few weeks. Look, this kid has got. A decade ahead of him, and potentially a decade ahead of him at St James's Park. So he's he's phenomenal now. You know, God knows what he's going to be like in in sort of four or five years' time because his his just calmness, an ability to to you know to to read the game and play the ball as well. Uh, that that sort of spine now, where you've got you've got Pope behind him um, and him linking up with with Bruno in the middle. Is that that it's that ball out, isn't it? From we we've touched on this before, but that ball out from from Botman into Bruno to then set up um, Newcastle going forward. 
yeah. that's his ability all over and he, he just he's not rattled by anything he, he's not phased he came back into the side after having that that sort of little rest and he's just he, he's not missed a beat um he's, he's not made a mistake he, he's just looked very very good he, i am i i am absolutely with roger there i'm a huge fan of him yeah, he's a huge fan. Roger, Roger did say he misplaced a couple of passes, but he did. Can't, he did. can't be too hard on him. Dan, just, just your take from being obviously in, in the stadium. And that's what I love about Evermore. We have, we have two different perspectives. We have on the TV where you see the wider spectrum of the of the game, but when you're in the ground, you see something different. So it's two different ways to view it, mate. So in the ground, I mean, I've obviously, me, me and Mark have both been in the ground and see Botman live. He's massive. He's got this presence. He's just huge. I mean, do, does he look as, as much of a Rolls Royce or did he look as much of a Rolls Royce? You've just, just <laughs> taken a word of my mouth, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, mate. He, he, he purrs like a Rolls Royce. He is, he does, yes. he does. He just he hear music when you look at him, kind of a thing. <laughs> oh, I can going to say, he has, he has leather interior and everything. And it's, <laughs> he it's does, lovely. mate. He did seats the lot, mate. He's flying, yes. he's flying. Uh, Yes, he has like he has a champagne bit in the middle of his. Dad as well. <laughs> we could go on. We could go on. Yeah, no, uh, he he just oozes class. It's it's a bit like Kieran Trippier, but obviously Trippier is perhaps at the other end of his career. But you yeah. can tell both of them just have that natural defending ability. They're always so that calm. step up, isn't it, Dan? It's that yeah. step up in quality, isn't it? You can just see yeah, it. they're just so calm on the ball. They don't really get flustered in defend defending situations. They just do what they need to do. They put the foot in at the right moment. Uh, don't, as I say, get let defenders often get the better of, sorry, attackers get the better of them and and just know where to position, positionally fantastic. I think that's something that's really key to defending. I mean, obviously you look at perhaps people like Trent Alexander-Arnold and you think, you know, yes, brilliant going forward, but positionally very unaware. And you then you look at Botman, you look at Trippi and you think these guys, they know exactly where they need to be and when they need to be there. And so, yeah, he, I mean, and this is someone who's what, he's, he's 22. So, mate, he's. I mean, Trippier is at the stage now in fair play to him, but he's what he's 30 or 31, is it? And he's but, still but, brilliant, he's still brilliant. and still brilliant, yeah. yes. And, and probably still has another, you know, good at least four or five years in the mad state, Kieran Trippier. Um, but Sven Botman at 22, and to be like that now, God knows what he's going to be like in you know, five, six years when he hits his perhaps peak. Uh, yeah. and if he's if he does that at Newcastle, then. We are in for one hell of a defender, one hell of a player on our books, and for the price we got him at as well, uh, you know it's 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 fantastic. So yeah, he is that much of a Rolls Royce. Uh, as I say, he has he has all the works, you know. He has the little statue at the front that pops out the bonnet and everything. <laughs> Dan's been reading the Rolls Royce brochure before he's come on today. So there's, there's a one part of the drive outside. Yeah, they've got they've got parking sensors. They've got <laughs> oh, Chris, you have no idea. Honestly, the chauffeur and yeah, 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 exactly. A little guys with white gloves and all that. But that, uh, to be fair, Dan, you're right. I mean, it, it's so exciting to have a player like that. that. I think the comparison that I drew was, you know, again, it's that calmness, Mark, isn't it, with them two players? Woodgate was like that. Woodgate's positional sense was incredible. He moved before the striker even moved back. You know, back when Woody was here, it, unfortunately, he was made of glass, wasn't he? Colaccini was like that. He was so he was almost like a midfielder at the back. The, I mean, some of the times. He scared the living shit out of us, didn't he? You do a Cruyff turn or a nutmeg, and you'd be like, "What the fuck is he doing?" Or he tried an overhead kick or something, but he, he managed to do it all right. But but Botman seems to be a mixture of both. He's got that that kind of quality, skill, calmness, but he's also got that big burly strength that he can he can tussle with the biggest and the baddest, and he can he can you know keep up with the guys on the deck, and he can watch the tricky merchants market. He seems to have it all. And I think Cicely Toon said there. 
imagine him and Van Dijk at the back for, for the Netherlands. I mean, I don't think he is in contention for the World Cup as Ash said. He's walked out of the 21s, but I don't think he was in for a shout anyway, Mark, was he, for, for the, the, the Dutch squad? He surely has to be in contention for it because be he has been playing so well. I mean, my my feeling with him is, is the way that he plays in his ability on the ball and his ability to win. He's very Italian. If you look at the best, that's the why Maldini wants to sign him so much, isn't it? That's exactly. But yeah, what if, you, if you go back to the old the old Milan days of you know Baresi and Costa Curta and even um, Nesta, Mal, even Nesta, Maldini, as well, guys, Nesta right? they were all great physically and they were all great at reading the game and good with the ball too and he's just got that air about him has not he where like i said before nothing phases him he's so confident in his own ability and he's so calm uh, and when the pressure's on he, he just he doesn't will and he, he's, he's just yeah he's going to be phenomenal over the next 10 years Dan, dan's just googling them players there going who the hell are these players he's talking about i know who they are <laughs> I'm only kidding. You're a football purist, Mr. Wales. You know your onions, mate. You're a, you're a young man, but you're wise beyond your years, mate. Don't you worry about that. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it is so exciting. I mean, we just have to enjoy him while we can. I mean, what I loved about Botman, I think just one last bit on that, was when he was dropped by Eddie Howe, um, there was no stropping. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo, take notes, storming off the pitch last night. Major wank, major <laughs> wank. Um, so there was, no, there was no stropping. There was no moaning. There was no talking to his agent who was going, well, that's not what he came here for. He just knuckled down, got his head down, and he come back even better than ever, you know. And I think that's a sign. At 22 years old, that's a sign of a proper player. And I saw the interview he did with Sean Longstaff with the Castle United TV. It was oh, the Rolls Royce in the Ferrari, yeah. The Rolls Royce in the Ferrari. I love, I love Sean by saying, "What's a car with loads of miles on?" A Jeep. I love that. Yeah, because I mean, you know, Sean Longstaff gets a lot of stick, but you know what? I just think when you every time you see him talk, especially in environments like that, he just comes across as such a class lad. He really, really does. And I think it helps it helps lads like Botman settle, doesn't it, Dan? You know, new players, young players coming in to have characters like Longstaff in the squad, you know? Well, you, you you look on like their Instagrams, and I know it's not the best place to get your sort of news and all that, but they're always commenting on each other's photos when they post something and sort of like yeah, like just bigging each other up and supporting each other. And it's there really is a, a clear sense of unity in that and togetherness in that squad. Yeah. Um, whether whether there be a player, a seasoned player who's been there for a long time, like John Joe Shelby, or whether it be someone who's brand new, like Sven Botman, and they're all sort of welcomed and warmed into the squad really quickly, and they all are forming into this, you know, big master plan that Eddie Howe is 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 forming, and it's it's just a joy to watch, to be honest. And 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 long may it continue. I, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure there'll be bumps along the road when things perhaps won't always go our our way. But we yeah. will get to where we want to be in the end. And whether it takes five years, whether it takes ten, we'll we'll get there. Well, it's it's a perfect segue because um, you know, that makes it sound like there's no ceiling, Dan. Um, uh, which is uh, bring us into a lovely segue there. Honestly, you know, I, it's I like, come back and it's it's just phenomenal. The script is working well tonight. It really is. It's uh, honestly, it, it's almost like Dan's never been away. But yeah, I mean, Mark, you've got some some info on this, so I'll start with you on this one. But if anybody doesn't know, uh, I'm sure I'm waiting for a clippity clop comment in the comments there. But so old uh, Turkey teeth himself, Jurgen Klopp, was having a gripe the other day um, about um, the the clubs that have no ceiling. And he mentioned Manchester City, obviously brilliant, massive club, loads of money. He mentioned Paris Saint Germain or cheat code FC, as we call them. But then he also mentioned Newcastle United, saying that there's no ceiling for this club now. Oh, congratulations. He had a bit of a grumble. It prompted Eddie Howe to come out, Mark, and in Eddie Howe's own words, he's got to defend this club a bit here. And he's, and I think with Eddie Howe being as articulate and, and uh, you know, everything Eddie Howe is, intelligent, 
he, he basically said there were some inaccuracies. And I think you want to point out some of these inaccuracies, Mark, don't you? From the old clippity club. Inaccuracies is one thing. Like, right. I, I mean, it's been done before, but let's look at it this way. The, the, the days of just being able to go out and spend, like, there's no tomorrow God. Like Chelsea did, they, like City did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They did it at the very beginning before the FFP be, became became an issue. Now, I know clubs get away with FFP stuff so now, but but we'll, we'll play in the, in the rules that FFP actually works. So if you go, certainly over... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> if you, I mean, if you go over the last 10 years, yes, City have spent a billion pound on, on players and stuff, but let's cut it down to the... The report that I looked at earlier on that was the, the last five years, and he, he mentioned City as, as being one that could just go out and spend and spend and spend, and have a look at the net spend. And I know people will argue and say, you know, well, it's it's, but net spend is a good broad because it shows exactly what you've got going out and what you've got coming in. And Liverpool sit ahead of um, Manchester City in, in terms of net spend, so I, I'd like him to explain that one to me. Um, they also sit behind the likes of Wolves, Villa, Newcastle already. You know, granted, that a lot of that is in the last two windows. Yeah. But Spurs, West Ham, Chelsea, Manchester United, and Arsenal, who, who none of which is, is state owned. Um, so, and that was, I think that was his, his bit of a gripe, wasn't it? That he was the, you know, state owned clubs that can go out and spend an absolute fortune. And But he's, he, he kind of has to look at a little bit of the facts first and just go, well, actually, it's not just that you, you you spend it wisely, and and I, I believe City have. You know they bring in a lot of players that uh, the the younger players that they can then develop, and and then if they're not quite good enough, then they can sell them on. You know that you look at the likes of um, Douglas Weiss that went to Villas and Chenko's moved on for lots of money. Jesus has come in and, and gone on yeah. for for more money as well because he hasn't quite been as good as City wanted. Now he's gone on and done very well at Arsenal, but he wasn't quite what 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 City needed. So they've they've played the transfer game really well over the last few years, and and Liverpool have to get better in that regard too. And it's not just about just throwing billions at it. Um, they they've just got to they've got to do it right. Um, so yeah, he's I mean it's Klopp, isn't it? I mean you 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 said this before, but since he since he lost the glasses, he became a right whinging git. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, I, I, I accept that point, City. I really do. Um, that that might turn out to be one of the worst decisions they've they, they've made. But you look at the money they recoup on the players like Zinchenko and and, yeah. and Jesus, where that hundred million spend doesn't then become too too bad because they've recouped an awful lot of money elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting one, Dan. I mean, obviously we're a Newcastle podcast, so we're not going to talk too much about Jurgen Klopp. But the, the best part of that bit was when he moaned that. Manchester City went and spent a fortune on the best striker in the world. He was obviously referring to the the, the, inhu- well, the inhuman Erling Haaland, the, the Man City oh, bought for 60, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 60 odd million quid, whereas he bought Darwin Nunes for 30 million quid more uh, than uh, than Haaland. He, he seems to have amnesia a little bit, Club. I wonder if that teeth whitening stuff is fucking his memory up or something because he just mm. he doesn't seem to be getting his facts straight here. Yeah, I mean, you know what it is with Jurgen Klopp. When he first came to the Premier League, I thought he was a breath of fresh air, and I think yeah, a lot definitely. of people did as well. And I think a lot of people did as well. Um, but all of a sudden, he's just become really, really unlikable with a lot of the things he says in press conferences, and to, even the way he treats journalists. To be fair, when they ask perfectly reasonable questions, 
and it's as, as, if, one, as one yourself, Dan. That's when I mean, you yeah. look at that as, as an aspiring journalist. Now that you are, you're thinking that's one of your peers, and he's talking. I'm like, well, shit. That, you well, think? that's that's the thing. I mean, the, the the questions that they've asked that they've not been bad. They've been no. perfectly reasonable questions that they're entitled to ask, and it's the way he sort of like condemns them for asking those questions and makes them as if it's a stupid thing to ask when it's really not, and it's and the public have a right to know. Um. It's it's just really really annoying and frustrating from like my point of view looking at it. But yeah, it just I I don't know. I just think the way he's 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 going on about the things that he clearly hasn't done his research into regarding you know net spend Newcastle etc cetera, etc. Cetera. It's it's just really uninformed of him, and he should, as a person in his position, uh, should should know better than to to make these comments. Especially if he's people are easily going to find him out in the way that we have done. Now, yes, there'll be those who defend him, but as far as I'm concerned, what he said is undefendable. And I've really gone off Jurgen Klopp. And I would actually like to be in a press conference and ask him some questions, actually. So I'm going to try. You would do, mate. Yeah. You're, you're, you're the Steve Bruce Slayer, mate. You, you've got previous form for that. So, yeah, you absolutely would ask him a question. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're silly saying there, Mourinho went to say, and that was true. I loved Mourinho. And then, yeah, he really went miserable, didn't he? And then Rod, Rod, they, they, they are well. these Marmite characters, aren't they? Who, you know, do I think it's ego, Dan? Ego. They think they're untouchable it, a bit. Like yeah. Fergie was the same. Fergie was similar. He, But he wasn't probably as charismatic as these two were his characters. But Fergie was a bit of a knob, wasn't he? Really, let's be honest. He was a great manager, but he was a bit of a prick. Well, that's you know, like a wee club in the northeast, which is just completely disrespectful yeah. to what to what we are. But yeah, they, they all have egos. They probably all think they have this you know, sort of God given right to be, you know, towards the top of the league. And they don't. And eventually they'll get found out when, you know, clubs like us who are on the rise start yeah. to overtake them as we as we already are this season. That's a great comment by Tune for Life. I mean that Nets Ben Mark pulled up there. It's a great comment, Tune for Life. For years we were totally neglected. Transferring after transfer window, no spend, minimum spend, free transfers, five million Vernon and there's all this kind of crap. And the club the club had to spend two hundred million quid in two windows because the, the squad was so depleted that you know that's why Newcastle's figures are as high as what Mark showed there. For Klopp not to realise that or appreciate that or see that. Just shows you what a knob he is. But I think Eddie Howe is just, to me, he's a class act. Every time he, he deals with something, whether it be the, the, the Saudi, um, you know, controversial links that they're always getting thrown up by whichever bedwetting journalist wants to pull it up to get five minutes of fame that day. No offence to these journalists, Dan. <laughs> you know, who, who, who would be a journalist, eh? <laughs> I know, mate. Christ, you've got thick skin, funny lad. But, you know, whoever wants to do that, you know the sort I mean, Dan. Yeah. You know, guys like you would ask a football question. You wouldn't ask Eddie Howe a geopolitical question because that's not Eddie Howe's. Well, that's the thing. I, I understand why they want to ask him those questions, but because, yes, he's the face of a, of, a, of a football club that is, you know, perpetuating this sort of a regime. But ask the geopolitical questions to the ones who can actually make a difference to the, to the geopolitical yeah. issues. That's all exactly. right. It, was, it came up again this this week. There's a couple of journalists, particularly from Liverpool, um, I noticed that um, yeah. <laughs> started to, to have have a little pop at Eddie Howe. And one of them had said, "You know, it, Eddie Eddie had, had said he was going to go away and le- learn about it. That's fine, but he still doesn't have to comment about it because he's not. No, no. He doesn't feel knowledgeable enough to be able to talk about it. And that, at the end of the day, he's a football manager. He's not the owner of the club." He's not the chief executive. He's, he, he doesn't run the club. He runs the football team. His job is that. His job is not to talk about 
the the politics of the world and, and, and what goes on it with with you know another country's leaders his job is to just manage the football and that, that's what he's been hired to do so I, yeah. you know i completely understand why he, he doesn't want to get involved in that and you, you wouldn't because unless you are completely you know immersed in in, in what's gone on and and, and, and you know that, that whole um that whole side of it you're just not going to want to trip yourself up by getting involved in that conversation yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean, there's other there's other things at play with the club, isn't there, Dan? You know, there's obviously the, the training ground currently is getting refurbed. That all has to go as part of the, the net spend uh, with the FFP regulations. You know, St. James's Park's massively needing expansion. You know, there's 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 sellout crowds every game. We've got, what, 20, 30,000 in the waiting queue, Dan, for season tickets. You know, there's been rumours about dropping the pitch, hasn't there, and, and, and increasing the capacity. You know, all these things have to be be paid for, don't they? By by the club, mate. So you have to factor all in, don't you? Yeah, I mean, the chocolate on the pitch is an interesting one. I actually hadn't heard of that rumor yet, but that is sort of what's the case at the Etihad, because the pitch is below ground level, uh, and you've, it's how they've been able to build a bit higher up. But yeah, it's I I just think you know, yeah, football is political and always will be. But when you're asking questions like that to a man who really isn't concerned with it it just seems i mean ask him like questions about football politics but maybe not actual politics i understand you know these owners are going to get criticized that's always going to happen because of the nature of who they are and where the money's coming from fully accept that and perhaps even at times we, we should be open that we even ourselves could criticize some of the practices that goes on in in countries like saudi arabia and i will never ever defend that but at the same time Yes, Eddie Howe, despite being the face of Newcastle, he's not, what, what is he going to honestly get? What sort of an answer are they expecting? Is what I don't really understand. Are, are they expecting him to suddenly just say, yes, okay, I, I'm, you know, I don't agree with our owners. Uh, is that what they're wanting? I, I don't really know what they're trying to get at. Yes, the money that will come into Newcastle to improve the training ground and improve the stadium and buy players, you know, is coming from these places. But I, I don't know. I, I just think it's all... To be honest, I'm not even sure how to sum that up. To be honest, it's all just a massive issue. Where yes, journalists are going to ask these questions, but I'm not entirely sure what they're wanting to get from it. Yeah, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, the spin on the pitch is an option there, silly. Yeah, that, that's that's the rumours doing the rounds. That I mean, obviously we are stuck for space because of the previous ownership selling off land. Thanks again, Mike. Um, so we're kind of stuck for uh, for what we can do. With, with regards to the expansion plans, obviously there's parts of the ground that we, we can expand on. I mean, sooner or later, I, I still think, Mark, we had this conversation today, I still think we might move grounds, but by that point we might be, hopefully be a Champions League regular club, pushing for titles, all that kind of stuff, like City have done, like Spurs have done, like Arsenal have done. The footprint's already there, so I think that that could be an option. But just one here, Mark, for, um, for you to take on, for running up that hill, I love that name. Thanks for that, Kate. Uh, do you feel we need to sell two air to meet financial fair plays? Um, I mean, that's an interesting one because we haven't not really yet. got... No, not yet, but we haven't really got a lot of sellable assets. The only one that comes to mind really for me is Maxi. Um, and I, I still think Maxi's days might be numbered, you know. And I think this season would have been a bit in and out early on. I don't think that's going to help his cause. Well, I think the, the the way that the club are running, it, it's bringing in more commercial revenue and that's going to be key. We're, we, we've, we've talked about that at length, I think, over previous, over previous episodes. So... 
that you start to bring that in, it's you have less of a need to be able to do that. But then it becomes natural as you start to bring in some of the younger players that we, we're starting to see, the likes of Diallo and and Qual and, and players that come in and and give you something to potentially sell later on. As that as your academy grows, as, as the rest of the the facilities grow, and you bring in more and more players, you can you can start to utilize those assets to to, to fund further down the line. I, I genuinely don't think you have to do that now. There's, I mean, there is nothing really to sell other than perhaps Maxi. There's, a, there's obviously a few that are going to run their contracts out this season, so those wages come off the, you know, off the off the bill. So it, that frees up a little bit of bit of money. But there's no danger, I don't think, of, of being hampered by FFP too soon. And obviously, with the you know the the introduction of the likes of um, Silverstone and stuff to to bring in commercial revenue and help with that that process um and, and you look at the deals that are being done for shirt sponsors and stuff that's where you, you the majority of your, your funding is going to come um the one thing i touch on the, the stadium stuff will go back to um i don't think they'll spin the pitch i think we've, they've already kind of looked and, and that would be i think too difficult a thing and if you're going to do that where are you going to play there's no local facility to be able to go and play your games at, um, save down the road in a certain red and white district, um, which I don't <laughs> think would happen. Um, it's not like Spurs, where the you know new stadium and you get to go and play at Wembley. That's not going to happen true. up here. That's very true. So I think it is going to be being creative um, about expanding the stadium. It's probably going to need to be trying to do something with the East Stand where possible. Um, whatever creative way they can get to do that and the Gallagher but that's going to involve trying to probably repurchase the land off um, is it Strawberry Holdings Strawberry, that, that, yeah, Strawberry that Holdings bought it off, bought it off actually so. is there not Student Union properties in there Dan already I think there is there, 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 there are student housing uh, private accommodation but that's on the other side of the Strawberry not really in place of where the stadium is to be first okay. so it shouldn't right interfere too much it's yeah. more the land that's currently just like above where the metro station is that's a bit oh, okay. it hasn't has nothing on it yeah yeah uh where they're wanting to build stuff obviously because of what the land was sold but we've got a car parks where wasn't it you see all the work getting done there yeah and obviously yeah. you, you could dig I, I don't i'm sure that there's some way they could make the gallagher a bit bigger get it perhaps to the size of near enough to the leases in the milburn East yeah. stands more tricky because you've got obviously these terrace that the listed houses and buildings behind it. Uh, yeah. So obviously bringing that back, it's it it blocks their sunlight, and I don't I don't know if they'd ever get planning permission for that. But yeah, I, I'm sure they could arrange something with getting the Gallagher bigger and perhaps make it more symmetrical. So the leases on the Gallagher are pretty much identical, um, yeah. in the sense that then you've got essentially what is like at Celtic Park, where it goes round. You got three stands. Uh, yeah. Going around the pitch, and then you've got that one smaller stand in the east stand, and that'd probably take it to what, like you know, 60, 62,000, which it's an extra ten thousand. Which I know it's not quite the twenty thousand waiting list, but it's we'd, we'd sell it, we'd sell it like that, wouldn't we? Yeah, because like well, well, that's the thing. If there's twenty thousand in the waiting list, that's only half that, so it's going to go like that, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, mate. It's it's incredible. Just some comments coming. In. Actually, uh, I think I put the cat amongst the pigeons with uh, Max. You're not the first time I've done that, Mark. After I put that poll on Twitter as well. Um, so Roger's saying that he was thinking that before, whether a signal or pretend that he doesn't fit us. You know, I mean, I think that Max is always a polarizing uh, player when you talk about the long-term plans. 
Um, silly saying Mudrick would be good. I think we talked about him on uh, Room Hazard Mark did him as well. And Ash, Ash is saying there, when Maxi comes back, he's got to prove his worth now. He looked brilliant under the Baron because he was a piece of polished steel and a pile of shade. He doesn't well, seem to work as part of a quality team. I think he, he was playing well, Mark, in his defence, wasn't he, before he got his injury? He was he was looking good. He was, he was he uh, good this season, yeah. He, he has at times. But if you if you think back to the way that, that Bruce had them playing and, and uh, the peak for this season was probably the City game. Look at, deep, that game. look at how deep Newcastle used to play and how deep they were really against City. And they 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 held their line well and they pressed pressed forward, but they they weren't too high up the pitch at all times. So it gave Maxi space to run into. Maxi's at his peak when he is at full full pace. His ability to control the ball at full speed is incredible. And where you're playing further at the pitch, if he gets the ball twenty yards from the edge of the area or ten yards from the edge, of the area, he hasn't got time to get up the speed. And I think he loses his effectiveness when he, he's not able to to run at at full speed. So you saw him torture um, Kyle Walker, but he was able to get it from the halfway line, pick up the ball, and then just turn and run. When Newcastle are playing much further up the field, he doesn't have that that time to do it. So I think that's part of his problem, is, is being able to almost relearn his how to tailor his, his speed. It, his, his initial speed isn't there. It is it, Overall, he, he's just able to run and run and run at that speed with the ball. Yeah. It's that initial burst isn't quite probably quite there. It's an interesting one, actually, Dan. Just what, what David Veach is saying there. He pulled up a great comment about Botman being like Woodgate as well. Love your thinking, David. But he's saying that Anderson could be another player. How could get the best out? We were talking about that before. And he likes the fact that, you know, as we're moving up towards Europe, we're obviously improving the squad. But th- this is a good point, actually, for Maxi, um, Dan. It couldn't happen at a worse time for him because he'd come off the back of playing two really good games. And since he's been out, Miggy's been brilliant. Anderson's got his little cameos still happening. Um, Fraser got kicked to shit when he come on, but he looked he looked busy enough. He, Murphy's even, had a couple of decent games. Because they, Couldn't they, have been a waste of time. Right. Because yeah. as much as we as much Paul as we yeah, I'm gonna say he he's done he's done all right. That's the thing. He's not been terrible. He's done what he's needed to do. Um, obviously got a goal against Brentford. But yeah, that's the thing. That's it's 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 a hard one because Maxman he, he was so he has in the games he's played this season. It's fair to say he's been really good. Uh, for perhaps where he had been playing a little bit. As, and as you say, quite rightly, Mark, he was phenomenal against Manchester City. Tore Kyle Walker to absolute pieces. And obviously that great goal he scored against Wolves as well. Uh, shouldn't go unmentioned too. So he made a good start to the season and then got injured and then obviously came back briefly against Brentford and obviously has aggravated the injury again. We'll probably see him, you know, and I don't think we'll see him Sunday, but we might see him in the last couple of games before the World Cup, uh, perhaps cameos, yeah, cameos off the bench. And I think, he, I know it's tough, but I think he sort of needs to do all right in those games. But then again, you, he's got an extended sort of pre-season again as the World Cup comes in, as he's obviously not going to be playing for the French team. So the, the new year will be important for him uh, if, if he can stay fit and get back in the squad and start playing the way he did against Manchester City again. Uh, I, I just think that would be really important. But as I say, I, I, the way I look at it with Newcastle at the minute, we're doing well now without anywhere near being having a full-strength squad. We've not really had a full-strength squad all season, to be honest. And, you know, we if we can get to the World Cup uh, and, and the January transfer window, pretty much unscathed with the injuries we currently have, 
in the same sort of league position, you know, top top six, top eight for for argument's sake. And then get to January, couple more additions, get Isaac fit, get Maxman fit. Second half of the season, we could be a real scary threat if we can keep all those players fit and bring in a couple of new additions as well. Absolutely. Listen, it's a, it, it's a really exciting season. And again, Dan, you've done it again. Another segue. Another team we may be a threat for the weekend is Spurs. You've done it again, honestly. Mark, there's a reason this lad's a professional. We're just pissing around here, honestly. He's, he's, he's world class. He's world class. Hey, Chris, you're the, you're the best host I've ever come across, don't you? Worry. Oh, you're an absolute. Oh, what you like, you, you charmer. So, yeah, we're, we're going to get stuck into to Spurs at the weekend. Uh, Spurs were, were a bit shady, Mark, uh, against Manchester United. As we said, they looked a bit leggy themselves. Um, Kane looked poor. Uh, he didn't really get into the game. Son was kind of in and out. You know, I think Manchester United generally got through them, I would say, quite easy, uh, certainly in the midfield. Now, you know, we all know we've got Bruno in the middle and he knows what to do. So if Bruno's <laughs> on fire down at, uh, down at Spurs, mate, he could torture Spurs if they play like that. Yeah, he's just it's a good test for him actually up against the likes of um, the likes of Hoiberg and stuff. But they did look they did look tired. Um, you know that I think Man United played played very well, and, and it's telling, isn't it? The times where how much better they look when Ronaldo doesn't play. I think that was touched on in commentary last night. I think in fact that might have been a line from from a certain Alan Shearer um, that that happened to mention that. So. But Spurs have got that, they've got the ability to beat anybody on their day. Um, but they, they do go through those little quiet quiet games and, and take advantage of that. And if you can rattle them a little bit, they'll back off. Um, and if you can keep Kane further back and, and not allow those runners to, to get beyond him and to let him turn and play the ball through, then you can stop a lot of what is good about Spurs Spurs attacking football. Um, excuse me, if you, I'm squirming around because I'm having a cat climb up my back again and um, trying yeah, to make an appearance. Well, yeah, you've, um, yeah, I don't know if you've seen this, Dan, recently. Mark, Mark, Mark aka Dr. Doolittle, uh, has <laughs> more, animals, more animals than Chester Zoo in the house. So occasionally one might appear on his back or his head or fly across his face. You know, so you just got to, you got to, he's like Ace okay. Ventura, mate. All righty then. Next topic. Next topic. Mate. What is it? Honestly. So coming on to you, Dan, as Mark squirms. Uh, with his with his pussy, um, coming out to you for the weekend, mate. How? Uh, <laughs> sorry, mate, I had to do it. How how do you think we're gonna we're gonna look going at this game, mate? Are you confident the fact that we um, you know, we've got that midfield strength, that dominance? If Joe if Joe there he is, if Joe Linton can can get himself you know kind of calm and into a game and, and be dominant, do you think we've got a good chance of beating them for the weekend, mate? Or do you think it's a draw is going to be the best option? Yeah, I mean, I think on Joe Linton, I think it actually it it showed. That even though he didn't have the best of performances in that first half, obviously as we've mentioned, it showed that when he came off, you know perhaps that was that presence missing in the midfield last night, which allowed everything to perhaps get on the ball a little bit more and dominate things in the midfield. So even when he's not there, you can you can tell that he's uh, that he's not there and that his presence is missed. So yeah, if he's if he can just get in amongst it, do the the work that he needs to do in the midfield, the dirty work at times and. And then obviously set things up for the likes of Bruno Longstaff or whoever, whoever it may be. Then yeah, we can give Spurs a good go. As, as, as we've mentioned, they were poor against Manchester United last night, and for all the season that they've had in terms of where they are in the league right now, they're, obviously they're having a good season points wise. Their performances haven't they haven't been brilliant. 
for for a lot of the time. Obviously, they were they were beaten in the North London derby, but obviously Arsenal have been brilliant this season. So yeah, I I don't see why why we couldn't give them a go. I mean, obviously we went there last year under Eddie Howe and took a bit of a hiding to be honest, despite taking the lead through Fabian Shaw in the first half. But again, we've improved since then. I know, obviously, as as we've mentioned again, that we are missing we're missing players, but. I, I don't see why, you know, if we went to Old Trafford and we can get a point there, I don't see why we can't go to, to Tottenham and get and get something there. So I'm quietly confident, as as I have been in all games this season, which makes a complete difference to how things were when perhaps we all started doing these podcasts together, um, going into games. But it'll be tough. Tottenham are a good side when, when they want to be and they've got some great players. There's no denying that. But yeah, quietly confident. And if those players who we mentioned today can get on their game, if Wilson's firing a little bit more than he has been, if Bruno gets them the ball and dictates and Joe Linton does what he needs to do in the middle of the park, then I don't see why we can't get something out of the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm with Roger. I think five out of nine points would, would be great. We've got to pull this comment up from Ash. That's comment of the night, Ash. Thank you so much. You don't get this kind of quality with Steve Ray. Absolutely not. You don't get you don't get Tinder spammers and random pussycats climbing on people's backs, mate, at all in, in the Steve Ray show. Not that I watch it, but I'm sure that you don't, mate. <laughs> So that's an absolutely top comment, mate. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think I think going back to the weekend, um, I think it will be a tough game, there's no doubt about that. My worry is, lads, that I think Conte will be raging about how they played against Manchester United. He was foaming in a press conference, Mark, when you're nodding along there. And I worry that Spurs might just take it out on us a little bit. You know, I think we'll have tired legs. I suppose the question is, and I'll ask I'll ask the two of you just to give me one word answer here on Sunday, and we're looking at Wood or Wilson starting. Mark. Wilson. Dan? Wilson. Wilson. See, I, I, I agree with you. Now, my worry is is that you're asking Callum Wilson to play a lot of football. It is. You know, I, I keep getting that. And, and if he breaks that. down, lads, without Isaac, that's a massive concert. I'm not advocating playing Chris Wood because I think you could play a traffic code and it would probably do a better job. Um, it possibly would occupy defenders more. Um, but I just for me, my worry is I wouldn't, I'd start Wilson depending on how the game goes, if we're getting beat or not, I'd hook them after about <laughs> 60 minutes. I'd hook them after about 60 minutes, if that, uh, even even after the first half, because you need him fit. Because without Isaac in that squad, lads, he's our goal threat, and we would be in big, big trouble if he goes down injured. Either one of you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, right, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I perhaps disagree about Chris Wood a little bit. I think he gets a bit more stick than perhaps he's he's due because I think, yes, he's, he's not the greatest and we know that. But I think when he came in last season, you know, he, he, he did what he needed to do and he just led the line. And I know it's not the way we're wanting to play with someone like him in the team, but did what he needed to do. Scored, I know only two goals, but two very important goals in the sense that they won us games. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Chris Wood, he's not the best, but and it is a concern of if he's having to lead the line again, considering that we've we've went out and bought Alexander Isak in, in, in attempts to try and not have that happen. And obviously he's got injured and then potentially wasn't get injured as well. So you could understand why perhaps in a game against Tottenham where it's tougher and there's not as good of a chance of us winning the game compared to say Everton last night that Wood might start and then you could bring perhaps Wilson on for the final 20 if you're wanting to get a goal because I think obviously Wilson brings a more of a goal threat. So he may start with Wood as much as I want him to start with Wilson and I completely understand that if he did. Uh, But yeah, 
Again, as, as I mentioned a, a moment or two ago, Tottenham's, it's going to be a tough test, but we can get something there if we turn up. And I don't see why we wouldn't. Absolutely. That's a good way to end up, lads. Just quickly, prediction, Mark, win, lose or draw? Uh, I go... I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. I think it'd be one, a draw. One. Dan? I'm, I'm, I'm going to side with Mark. I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. 4-0 to Newcastle. I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Chris? Why not? Why not? <laughs> Absolutely not. I, I'm going to go for ones each, I think, as well. And I think that's a crap result, as Roger said there. If we can get five points out of nine of them fixtures, that's brilliant. But yeah, again, I just think we'll have to manage the squad as best that we can. Some comments coming in there. I think Silly agrees with us, ones each as well. Um, yeah, I think for you know for us, that's a great result, especially off the back of Spurs looking, looking to, to set about somebody. Conte won't like that. So yeah, fingers crossed. We'll be back, I'm sure, Mark, with a preview and a review uh, come the weekend for the game. So make sure you keep it ever more, guys. And as I mentioned, if you haven't already, please click that like and subscribe button. If you haven't, we'd love to have you on board. It's all free content, this. We don't charge anybody. We just like to cover Dan's face with the logo there. Um, he, just because he's younger than us and, and we're devastated every time we look at him. He's got more hair than me. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, you know, for us, it's going to be a great game of the weekend, guys. Thank you so much for everyone in the comments tonight. It really helps the channel flow. We will be back with previews and reviews. Me and Mark will be back with what's going on on Monday. But I won't be here next week forevermore because I am having a week off and the stat man himself will be in the hosting chair. So go easy, everybody. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Ash. Please look after us. I'm looking at you, Ash, in the comments, class clown, throwing <laughs> things out the window. So everybody, everybody go easy on, on Mark. And I'm sure to teach teacher next week, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So. I'm sure I do, Billy John. But until then, Give guys, let's keep, support. <laughs> exactly. let's keep supporting that team of coin. Dan, say you're lying, you're back. And... Oh, and how are the lads? That's the one, exactly. We'll catch you next time, lads. See you later. Take care, guys. <laughs>